They asked us to do um, a couple of tours in Canada, across Canada. So we went, we went with Wade Newton to um, London, Ontario. At the time, he was he was hot with Duncan Shane, you know? and he told us that he had some native blood in his family. Yeah, at the time, he said if we ever needed anything or wanted his help, to call him. But at that time. He was in, in no position to help anybody. You know, he was just starting up <laughs> to starting it. Up, yeah. It was only later, later on, he got to Vegas after yeah. we were all done. So, still just <laughs> trying to get a snapshot here. And you guys, you were doing some of your own tunes and other covers as well, mm-hmm. opening up with the Beach Boys and stuff like that. You guys were dressed up in yeah. traditional. <laughs> we did that when when we had a a show time. We did shows. And we played in bars, but we also played in country clubs and stuff like that, where we did you know, stage shows where we came on with regalia. We changed clothes about two or three times during the during an evening show. You know. And that's what we did. Other, other than that, when we played in the bars, we were all dressed the same, like in ribbon shirts, like they call them. I call them Apache shirts because they go over. And we had our hair long, sometimes in braids and headbands and things like that. So you got your stage outfits and stuff were from down there, from the native people and stuff like that. Like I guess well, it's I, the only uh, way. Otherwise, you nobody really recognizes you as such. Like when we were in in L.A., people thought we were there making a movie. You know? He says, "You guys making movies?" You know? The group was called Chief Tone, you know, Canada's Indian band, you know, all Indian band. And then after a while, we got to speak in our own language. Like you know, when we started to show it. Like if if I came to sing, I would tell him my name is Albert and I'm from up here. I just speak to him in, in Slavey and then and we'd start our you know, same playing. The boys I had talked in Kixan and Niska. They spoke these languages you know, from Northern BC, so they spoke. They introduced themselves in their own language, you know, so that people understood, you know, what, you know that we're you know, we're for real. We were like Coca Cola. We were real things, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> But um, like I said, people thought we you know, were there making movies, and then we had family shows that we did on Sundays too, depending where where we were at. Because we didn't we didn't drink in a public, like our manager says, you guys won't drink. Do it in a hotel room with out of sight. So when people ask us, let me buy you a drink, we just pop, you know, Seven Up or Pepsi or whatever. That gave an appearance as a bunch of clean cut guys, you know. And we also watched our language too, and people. So we gave that impression. I think and it, it was really good because we attracted the family crowd too. And Sundays we had families, and people brought in their kids. And we set aside a time, like half hour or so, during the show, you know, just to meet the kids. Huh? You know, they'd all come over and you know, and they talk to us, and, and they'd come over and they, you know, they'd feel your jacket and stuff like that. You know? And we had pictures taken for you mm-hmm. to, to, to be in that situation, but also for that audience to be mm-hmm. exposed to you, which brings me again, I've been wanting to ask this question for like the last five minutes. Yeah. The whole, I mean, at that time, the, the states, they were dealing with racism with their black people yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. How were you yes, treated yeah, as Native yeah. people? We, it was okay because, like in. Um, in Kentucky, like we were in one of the places where we played at, where there was a couple of people there who, 
you know, <clears throat> said we, we were native people from Canada. They said, don't mind native people that we got a long time for black people. You know, didn't, you know, didn't say anything like uh, our lead guitar just said, well, we're not white, you know, we're, you know, we're Indian people. Yeah, right, yeah. So, you know, and we're not black either. That's what the guy says, but you're not black. black. When you were out traveling around, rock and roll was just sort of exploding. Mm -hmm. What what was your impression of the Beatles when they hit? Like you were well, you, you were down there when they came through in sixty four yeah, and sixty five. Sixty four we were in that mention. We used to do those songs, huh? Close your eyes and I'll kiss your torn. We did these songs. And is there anything that you want? And I think like that those songs yeah. they came up with we did those. You know. Okay, so that was and, happening. You yeah. were doing those in Providence before you even left no. here or, or up here. I've never heard the Beatles here, except uh, maybe I heard once or twice, but I didn't hear them continuously like I did at the radio stations in Edmonton. Gene Pitney. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a bit there too and things like that. We did some of the songs that, you know, some of the songs of the day, we arranged them to to the equipment that we got. So that's what we did. We played other songs. And eventually, after about a couple of years, we included our own songs. I remember when we were playing in the Cedar Rapids, and someone says, you guys know any country? You know, The only country I, I remember was Hank Williams, you know, cheating hard and things like that. So we did some of that. And then when we came back to the hotel, we found a country station. You know, and recorded some of the stuff off the country station and learned them. So we did some of that country stuff you know, in the places like Cedar Rapids and where heavy country there yeah. and stuff like that. So we did that. Mm -hmm. And even up in Minneapolis, yeah. St. Paul, that area too, you know, they wanted to hear country They like the country music yeah. there. We heard Charlie Pride, I think, the easy part's over, you know, that one there. But at the time, I think everything was still on one chart, country and rock. There was no distinction, yeah. you know. But only later on, you know, they different, categorized different things like, music, yeah. like the blues, yeah. the rock, country. You're playing the music of the day and you're doing the covers, but mm -hmm. you see something sometimes where you see something like the Beatles come through, and you can actually see mm -hmm. outside of what you're doing a change happen because mm -hmm. of it. Was there any other bands that that you saw that I mean at that time too even? Bob Dylan mm -hmm. and those people were coming yeah. up? Yeah, Bob Dylan was coming up. He was already mm -hmm. up there when we did. But I think it's just like our, our lead guitar said that if a bunch of Englishmen can can sing stuff that, you know, maybe some, you know, the Indians can do mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. That was more or less our motivation or whatever it was, <laughs> to just to, no, do it. Just, you know, there, do it yeah. just do it. So that's what we did. And back then there was a lot of uh, one-hit groups. Be because of the Beatles, everybody wanted to to play. So it's what happened. There was a big boom in the music industry with a lot of uh, one-time hitters. You know, same thing happened in every decade. Yeah, you know, the one-hit wonders. That's and, true. Yeah. But back then there was lots, and they just they went for two, three years, and then that was it. And then there was infighting or whatever, and one group trying to be the star of that group and they fall apart. And there's a lot of groups that, that happen like that, you know. Like the Buckinghams that they and the box tops 
something like that. They didn't, you know, they didn't last very long, you know. And I don't think people like that were really serious in with the music, you know. Maybe they had one person who was the driving force behind that group, and once he is gone, then everybody else sort of, you know, deteriorates and goes. So it, a lot of them were, I think, happened with that. I was going to ask you yeah. whether it made it harder or easier for you after when all of those people were coming up those one-hit wonders and stuff. Did, was there any less work for you? We were in that period in time where, like, William Morris Agency and other people were picking up different acts, you know. It didn't make it any easier or whatever, but you, you got work. And when I left, then the band was giving 3800 a, a week, and we had a bus... Yeah. I had a bus. I drove home for Providence. A bus. I had a little ma- mascot, a little mountain lion cup. I brought home to Providence. People saw it. I gave my dad a ride in the bus. I asked him if he wanted a beer. He says, "We oh, have beer." I tell him I had a fridge. He says, "You got a fridge in here?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> so I gave my dad a beer. <clears throat> you know, they sat. You know, they drove to Bluefish Creek and back again in the bus. You know. Gravel Highway then, and we just happened to be on our way from, we did the, like the Wynn Newton thing in London, Ontario, and then we drove to uh, Thunder Bay, at the time it was still Fort William and Port Arthur, and we, we did a show there with the Del Reeves, and then from there we went and we did Regina, Regina exhibition with Tommy Hunter and that gang there. So you got on the show? Did he yeah. have a show, his television show at that time? Mm, no. Was it, was it, it was just a Regina G- exhibition. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the um, contact days was happening in Edmonton, so we, we stayed at the Bonaventure. And we used to play in Bonaventure when we first started. And old Joe Schechter, who owned the Bonaventure, heard we were in town, so he said, come on, okay, guys, in the contact days, play. You know, he gave us rooms and we played there. After about three or four days, <clears throat> we were done, and then the boys, some of the boys, decided to go home for you know for a week or something. And the other guy and myself and the manager, we drove to Fort Providence on the bus. And then after that, and then we made our way to the P and E in Vancouver. And then we did a P and E there. We met it with Pat Boone and his daughters, the King sisters all over the way. And we did that P and E and then we went back over through Seattle and down yeah. to LA and then But there was the, the Canadian thing that we did. And then we went to Minneapolis and we did the State Fair, Minneapolis State Fair. With Dan Ross, Chad and Jeremy at the time. I think Victor Bork was there then. He was playing the I remember Victor Ford playing the piano with uh, two baseball balls in Houston. He was talking about the Green Giant while he was doing that. <laughs> I don't know the particulars of, <clears throat> of the joke, but everybody was laughing. I remember that. We were the opening act with uh, Supremes. And I remember Diana Ross. Then later on, we met them again in, in a place called Blemstrips in uh, Boston. Diana Ross. It was... Um, Five or seven hundred seat you know, club, and they were in there, and we were coming in after them, 
So we got there about a couple of days before we were starting the wedding. Diana Ross could barely talk, but she sang beautifully. But they took voice lessons then. When we were in L.A., we took voice lessons too. You know, the teacher telling us to sing with a diaphragm, not with your throat and things like that. How to hold your breath and, and all these things. We did that. So I took voice lessons. That's the only music lessons I've ever done. Other than that, I've never taken any. All that time, I never uh, read music. None of us learned how to read music. Yeah. You know, none of us read music. We just played by ear. You know, I always tell people that I played by ear. That's why I get big callus on my ear. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> to this day, I've never learned music. I just played by ear. And then. We played with Jerry Lee, those something. Like Jerry Lee, we played with him in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, at a place called uh, Greenwich Village, at the Railroad Inn. And he was there, but we were the opening acts for him. Eh? And uh, he did his own thing. But I don't remember people dancing when he was playing. You know? Everybody sat there and watched. You know? And then the funny thing happened was that his uh, drummer, sort of floated off his seat and crashed on the floor. And the drumming stopped. So Jerry Lee looked back and says, is there a drummer on here? So our drummer went over and took over. And they dragged that guy in the back there. And the doctor came, I think, pumped him out and things like that. But he was high on acid and um, vodka and orange, you know, whatever he was taking. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> the next day, Jerry Lee came with his um, limousine, I came over to a hotel, to the motel, thanked us. Yeah. It was nice of them, he thanked us for helping him out and for sure. taking him over the drumming and things like that. So. What other stars or icons of the day did you bump into or, or have uh, experiences with their music? We, <clears throat> we ran to the Three Degrees in Indianapolis, they were playing at another club away on the other side, the East End or whatever. We met them. And three weeks, and then later on, we heard them on the radio. You know, this guy's, and it was Del Shannon. We did a thing with him when he was returning to his hometown in Flint, Michigan, for some kind of county fair or whatever. So we practiced with him for about a couple of days, and then we went. And I remember we ran into Bobby Lee also in one of the county fairs. I forget which one. He's the one that sang Rubber Ball, Rubber Ball, come bouncing back to you, and other songs. And then Sir Douglas Quintet, they were with us when we were in the Beach Boys. I've got who, who else, a bunch of other people that that we played with. Like, of course, Johnny and the Hurricanes, and we were jamming with them in Madison. They're, they're, we, we played at a place called the Bunny Hop. And there was a jam session there one Sunday and the John and the Hurricanes came. I couldn't believe John and the Hurricanes, you know. <clears throat> used to, you know, drive to their music yeah, in high school yeah, yeah, <laughs> and sure. jamming with them and, you know, that was quite, quite something. And we played with various other groups there, but these are the only people that I, I remember. It sounded like, I mean, among the other performers and musicians and stuff that you were playing with, you were... Um, I mean, you were all working, you know, sort of together, working the same circuit, and accepting 
in, in that regards, and the audience as well. Like, I mean, what was the reaction like from the audience? When we did the opening act, we usually came out right off the bat with our yeah. Indian regalia yeah. with bonnets and stuff like that. It looked like all of a sudden it got quiet. See what this guy's going to do. Yeah. And then we we started playing. We usually did what we call it tom tom, you know, where we danced with the with the strings and like it goes like a heavy beat on the bass and drums and lead guitar. It goes dun 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 dun, you know, real heavy like. You know, and then we danced to that. And then you know how the Osman brothers they move, you know. We did that. Can we move like that, eh? Choreograph, like, when you you play guitar and then you go like this, and then you go and you move like this, or, and then you go, you go like that, and then you go back, like, you know, you, you move with the... Move with the tune, yeah. Yeah, move with your beat, then, and we would play, and then you say, and you'd be singing the way like this, and when they say stop, you go, stop, kind of, and then play again, you know, we did things like that, you know, just listen to music. There was one song we did, uh, Running Scared, with this sort of parody on, on Running Scared, because he is. She's like, you're going to run, you know? <laughs> like, uh, the way that Roy Orbison plays, I'm like, do, 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 like that. Yeah. And then you're doing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did things like that. But uh, we, we didn't just stand on stage and play. We moved and choreographed a lot of our stuff and things like that. So people liked that, and we were like... Uh, Show stuff. Yeah. And then sometimes I, I went up <clears throat> by myself and parodied some stuff and did some comic routine. People like that. So it's just out of the blue, like nothing rehearsed. Just go out and improvise something. Yeah, yeah. improvise. No. How long were your shows? It it varied because we usually did from sometimes from nine nine to ten and then eleven twelve and. Sometimes we're done at one or two in the morning, but I'll depend. And then Sunday afternoons we did uh, family shows, you know, depending on where we are. Uh, we did that anywhere, like if uh, if we played in the bar, we did family shows in the bar. Then, then we asked the manager not to sell any, you know, if they could keep from selling. No, people can buy, you know, drink beer, but they'd have a lot of stuff handy for the kids and then later on I think some of the other clubs did similar things Did you get to meet any of the other native people that were down in the south when you were touring uh, through or <clears throat> Not performers as such but okay. just, just individual people. people that lived in the cities and we visited a couple of reserves in Wisconsin like the um, Black Earth there was a powwow going on there, and we went over there to take a look. One day, when we had a day off, so we met some people there, but we never performed on the reserve, you know. But we just met individual Native people who were out there. But we never did meet any uh, Native performers. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of trying to think of <clears throat> what Native American bands mm -hmm. would have been happening at that time. There's some players that were around. I mean, there were some bands doing some mm -hmm. stuff at that time. I can't remember yeah. their names, though. Well, Redbone, I think. Yeah, there were some Indian men with them, I think. And then Buffy St. Marie, she was there. But we never did meet her. She never really went into the Indian thing until 
when she was into the 80s when she came back to Canada or something. Other than that, a lot of them were just contemporary music like uh, Brit Bone they were doing with you women, you know, that also was done by the Eagles. Other than that, we didn't meet too many Native people. Ever any talk or chance or travel? There was talk going to Puerto Rico there, but, but we never did get a chance to go because something else happens and things like that. There was talk of inauguration, I think it was Nixon's inauguration or something. I think the boys went over there, but by that time I was back here. I came home because my dad was sick over there. And I think Alfred Lockhart, he was there visiting, he took my place and went, played as me with him. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think that's okay. what happened. Okay, well, you know, it sounds, but, So I didn't get a chance yeah. to. But the whole thing was an interesting experience. So you did that for, for how many years were you? About four and a half. Because I came back in October of 69, came home. I was going to go back. And then the RCMP came in Providence, I was called me and said that you have to call the place in Wisconsin. They were talking about something about breach of contract or whatever. I thought, not breach. So when I got on the on the blower, he says, "Well, this was the only way we could get in touch with you, for you to, you know, call for sure." I says, "Well, I don't think I want to go back. If this is the way it's going to be." Initially, we had agreed to stay together for two years, and we have stayed over for four years. I went home. <clears throat> my dad and my sister tracked me down in Boston. That was sick, but I couldn't get away. And then when he got sick again, I was in Madison. So I jumped on the train to go to Minneapolis, and then from there I flew to Winnipeg, and then on to Edmonton, and then back here, and then I went to the bus to I was ready to go back, but this thing happened, so I thought, I don't think so. So we had agreed to be together one, you know, about two years, two years. see how things go. But we stayed longer than that, so I thought I was i got to do something other than play guitar, you know? Were you pretty much tired? I mean, you guys traveled around and yeah, all the rest um, of that stuff. First time down south, especially in the States, you come into Chicago and, oh, the big city, yeah. Then you get into Buffalo or New York City, you know, big city, holy shit. Yeah. And then next time around, it's just another city, you know, another job site to go to, you know. It became... Something like that. We fiddled around on tunes when we were traveling. You know. We had Jonas Antoine from Simpson. He was our bus driver, equipment manager. When we was driving away, we used to sit in the back and, you know, fiddle around and played and sang and practice. The best time I really liked was uh, going to country fairs, county fairs, I call yeah. it. You know, we used to do a show on one, one fair, and then we're done there that night, and then you get paid. Fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks, and then you take off next four hundred miles, do another show, and and then you take off to another county and do another show. And so I really like that. And then towards the end, I start looking forward to fall time, you know, the county fairs, and it was good. And then in the summertime, we did some of the state fairs in Canada, called exhibitions and like 
Jala exhibition we did those. And like in Minneapolis, we stayed there for three days. And we played on the side, the far end of the you know, fairgrounds. When the main acts came in, we did the grandstand. And all the performers all got together that one night. We did a grandstand show. That's when we, we were there. I said, hey, there's Victor Park and Dan Ross and the whole gang there. Yeah. And at the county fairs, we meet people like you know, Bobby V and Bell Shannon, mm -hmm. people that were made it big previous years, you know, but were on the downswing and so they sure. heard at these places, so we met, we met them. Yeah. You're talking about your bus driver mm -hmm. being from up here, the person that uh, was down visiting you. You make it sound like uh, you were in Edmonton and people were just sort of passing through, but there <laughs> yeah. you were in Wisconsin. Yeah. And yeah, that stuff. Would they come down to see you, or were yeah. they down there for another reason? Or? No, they came down to like, oh, okay. to visit us. Then, like Jim Washi was with us for a while. We sponsored him going to school, going to a school in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Your your band sponsored him. Yeah, he was there, and he went to school there. He didn't play with with us, but he was. He went to school there. Yeah. You know, while we were on the road, and then came back and stayed. So you just supported him. Yeah, later on he. He went home. The other people, like Alfred, you know, Alfred was a German carpenter and he worked for full construction or whatever, mm -hmm. doing houses. So after the job ended, he had a week or two, so he came down there. And he flew down there and he looked for us and you know, found out where we were, so he came down. He stayed there for two or three weeks and he filled in for me while I was gone. You came back up here and you stayed here, then what happened to the Chief Tones home? I don't know, eventually they, they disbanded. The only guy that continued was Vince. They have a singer. He lives in Nashville, but he still plays, I think. His brother Barry moved to Florida and his wife, and he was working there with wow. U.S. Post. Yeah. The other guy there, our lead guitar, Jack, he married the a lady from Alabama or someplace, and they moved back to Prince Rupert. He works for the Nesca Education Board, whatever. and our drummer, he went back to Kilwankul. I think it was last year, he passed away with cancer. Yeah. Jack and I still communicate. We talked we about uh, doing the re reunion thing, and he ran into Ethel London in Ottawa, Ethel asked him, you guys should do a reunion, and Jack told him, well, you pay for it, we'll do it. We, we joked about it, that time it would be all right. If we did one, you know, tell him we can do it in Edmonton. Let's do it in the Prince Rupert and see what happens. But we're never able to, you know, finalize anything like that. You know, I don't know where the other guys are, you know, they're spread across the country, so. I think it was about a year after I left that they disbanded. Okay. Yeah. You enjoyed yeah. the music and you enjoyed the playing and I enjoyed it because it was a real different experience and I see how things are done and how things happen, you know, with people. And I can see how people get into drugs and things like that because of the Sometimes the demands and the long hours and the things like, like that. But we were lucky because, uh, you know, initially we had the plan to 
keep up appearances. So that helped us to a certain extent where drugs wasn't used. Uh, sure, we, we drank, eh? but it was not excessive drinking as such. You had a beer when you were in the hotel rooms of that. Mm -hmm. When you were in, in a club, you know, you just drank ginger ale or whatever. Mm -hmm. And people bought you drinks. It was primarily pop and things yep. like that. So we never ordered drinks. So we, we had that appearance of clean cut guys. And we were never really long haired, scruffy looking bunch because we, we were, you know, jackets and we were like that all the time yep. when we were out in the public. And you were out in jeans and t-shirt when you were at uh, in the place that we we call home outside Richland Center. It was an old school that we bought. That we when I stayed in there, an old brick brick uh, school, and just used for one room class. And we bought that, and it was just one big room, like in a church and high ceiling. And, we practiced in there, and we had cots there, and we had yeah. kitchen area. And, and our next door neighbors had horses; they were really nice to us. And we used to you know, go for horse rides. And they had a trail. We used to go, and nobody bothered us. So it was the time that we had to ourselves, where you know we were not in the public eye, so to speak. You know, we were just ourselves. So it was a good, relaxing time. And you guys worked hard. I mean, mm -hmm. You're talking about being out for four months, and, and to do it for four years, you had enough breaks there that you didn't sort yeah. of want to sort of kill and each other. It was a time like after three months. There's usually about a week or two break where we kept to ourselves. Like the time I was able to go home, when our break came in, like we had two weeks between Klondike days and P and E, okay. so we were able to to go to go back home. Yeah. The thing was that. When, when I came home here, playing in a bar, I always thought that someone was going to come to ask if we had union cards, you know. I was always afraid of that, but after a while I just forgot it, because yeah. we didn't have it up yeah. here. Uh, we belonged to the American uh, Musicians Union, and we got our cards through William Morris Agency. And then we also belonged to the Musicians Union, in Edmonton, so we're covered from both sides. Yes, you're talking about the Chief Tones getting mm -hmm. together for an anniversary. I guess. Do you have any musical goals or anything else that you would like to do? It's just like I've, I went through the mill. You know, I've experienced the whole thing. It's just like my work cycle. Like I started out with CBC, and I went over to the local government, and I was the assistant clerk with David Hamilton at the Legislative Assembly. And after that, I became the director of Language Bureau. You know, I've made a full circle, you know. And then after that, I went back by the manager to Fort Province. And thereafter that, I came here. But it's the same thing. Like, you go the full cycle. You experience the full cycle of music in your band. It's funny how I started off with like, contemporary music, like country music and rock and stuff like that. And then I ended up back home doing drum music and some slavery songs. But I'm still in touch with, yeah, still got my guitar there. And I can fit in both sides of yeah. the street, so right. to speak. Yeah, I was going to say you know, balance there. There's a real balance there. For I've sure got my balance. 
Yeah. Works good for me now. It's a very, very full life you've had <laughs> as far as like the musical thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's great. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time yeah. for for this and uh, okay. sharing your experience. Yeah. Sure. I would like to thank Albert for sharing his rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of his life, and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com, linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series and to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories Department of Education, Culture and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Braden. Thanks for listening. <laughs>